you know, the changes that the moon goes through, you know, in, in a month period, right? You see all the different sides and faces and, and phases and going through motherhood. That's, you know, a common theme, right? There's a phase through everything. This phase too shall pass. So yeah, I think it's a good example. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Molly Olish about her connection with the moon as she entered motherhood and the journey that led her to write a children's book called Moon Juice. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm super, super excited to have you here today and get going with this conversation about everything that's going on in in motherhood and with um, Moon Juice. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, go ahead. Hi, Sarah. I am so excited to be here as well. Um, My name is Molly Olish, and I am the author of uh, the new children's book, Moon Juice. Um, And I live uh, just south of uh, Boston in Massachusetts. I have two children. One is five and one is three. And um, I know your podcast is all about entering motherhood. So just a little bit about my entrance into motherhood. Um, I'm one of five. Um, my mother's made it look really easy um, <laughs> managing and mothering five daughters. And so I kind of assumed that's how it was going to be, is that my entrance into motherhood would be would be fairly easy. And that definitely was not the case. My son had reflux issues. And I just remember a, a lot of late nights. I foolishly thought we would come home from the hospital and he would sleep through the night. And um, that was, as you know, pro- definitely not the case. And so that was a, 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 a wake up call there. And I had many, many late nights with him, like I said, due to the reflux. And that's how I actually, um, first became fascinated with the moon is because so many nights I felt like it was just me, him and the moon awake, um, peering through a window and like that nobody else in the universe was awake with my daughter. The, the, the late nights become, became fewer, um, as you know, you, you learn and, you know, you learn from the first and you go on and, um, take things a little bit easier and give yourself a little more grace as well with the second. Um, and she, she didn't have reflux either. And, um, but I, with her, I actually became more fascinated with the moon because I was now, I now had two and then I was working full time and had to figure out a way to get it all done. And, I became more fascinated with the moon because the moon goes through cycles. And I think as a woman, especially we go through cycles as well. And so there's periods of the month where we can be more productive and less productive. And I really utilize that to, you know, just make things more efficient with my second and to try to get everything done. That's amazing. So, you know, like you were saying in your childhood, like it looked easy. And so like you thought entering motherhood, it was going to be this easy progression and everything was going to go. And then that was not the case. And I think, you know, we only have memories up until a certain point. And maybe if we had siblings that have a larger age gap or something like that, like we might see what our parents are like in that initial postpartum period or those early moments, early days. But usually like we're so unaware of 
what they had to go through. And sometimes they don't even remember exactly what it was like in that initial period. Like they, you know, have grown and become such a different person that it's hard to really go back to remembering what it was like then. So, you know, like, yeah, like it looked easy, like when you were older and things like that. And but, you know, I'm sure they had their own like, time navigating and and whatnot. But, you know, I love that you were able to find that connection to the moon in that early postpartum period, because I think we do sometimes feel like we're alone and the only ones up in the middle of the night and, you know, nobody else is awake. And so being able to look out your window or go outside and see something as consistent as as the moon always being there. I think that's just so fascinating that, you know, it's something that is probably overlooked to a lot of moms. Exactly. And and looking out your window and as you said, having it be a consistent thing and also seeing, you know, the changes that the moon goes through, you know, in, in a month period, right? You see all the different sides and faces and, and phases and going through motherhood, that's, you know, a common theme, right? There's a phase through everything. This phase too shall pass. So yeah, I think it's a good example. That's awesome. So what else can you tell us? You know, what did you start digging into? What fascinated you the most about the moon? And what have you learned since then? What fascinated me most about the moon is that it has actually been used for many years in many cultures, um, you know, by, by different groups of people for, you know, what I call the magical wonders. And so I became fascinated when it was full and started getting into manifesting and setting intentions. And, and that's what my children's book is about. So that really fascinated me is how we can connect um, to the moon. And like I said, in, in 2019, when my, my children were very young, I started incorporating them in my ritual um, with the full moon. And that is setting out um, uh, waters and setting intention, uh, charging water under the moon and setting intentions. And I guess that's that was another thing I learned through motherhood and, and through this ritual and my connection to the moon is that you can incorporate children in, in stuff that you want to do at a very young age. Um, so often we think there has to be like a time set aside for moms to do this, the stuff that we want to do. And, and you really can incorporate children in, in everything. So what does your ritual look like? And, and how have your kids been able to enjoy that with you as well? So there's actually a period of usually two or three days um, every month when the moon is technically considered full, and we take advantage of all of those days, um, even though it's 100% full, you know, at a given, only one given time, but we do it for two or three nights. And we started with, we, we just found old mason jars, and I had the children, my children, decorate them with things that they wanted to become. Um, so my son, you know, really wants to have superpowers and be a superhero. So he, you know, drew, you know, Spider-Man and, and, um, Superman and stuff like that. And, uh, my daughter's younger, so she just did, did general drawings. Um, but so the idea is to draw stuff of that, that you, that they wanted to become, um, for adults, it would be known as, you know, setting an attention and they, it's a little bit difficult for them to understand now, right? But they get the idea of the pictures, whereas adults would do more of words. 
Um, so we decorate the jars and then we fill them with the water on the, the nights that the moon is considered full. And then we set them out before we go to bed. So then in the morning, they're excited to get up and, and get them. And um, they, they, instead of calling them moon water, they call them moon juice, right? And they drink it for breakfast. And right after they drink it, they literally think they can, you know, they're so much faster and they can jump high and they can blast off to the moon. So it's just, a, it's a neat thing to see them believe in, in superpowers, believe in magic, connect to nature. And, you know, also it's a, it's a ritual that connects us, right? They, they look forward to it each month, no matter how busy we are, we make sure we do it. So you were saying um, something along the line, you called them magical wonders. What are they and what other cultures have really kind of created rituals around the moon? And um, what have you kind of like incorporated into all of that? Well, I guess first and foremost, you know, it was recently uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. And so the Native American cultures are, you know, a huge example of incorporating the moon. My sister actually did a project for me looking, because um, as we know, there's different names for the moon each month. Um, you know, the hunter's moon, the pink moon, the the worm moon, et cetera. But the Native American cultures actually have their own names. My sister did a project where she met with a one of the... Um, the local tribes here and went through all of their moons. And there's actually 13 moons uh, in Native American culture, just um, but between with the way the days fall in, in a year, in a certain year, there's usually 13 moons. So that's the first place that we, we look as the Native American culture and the indigenous people, because obviously they were here um, before us. And, um, all around the world, that's, that's, you know, something I want to get into, um, is really exploring those other cultures and, um, on my social media accounts and stuff, I plan to have, you know, the, those different, um, practices and the different words that they use for the moon. That's awesome. So where can we find, you know, all the different types of moons or, you know, depending on what month it is and they're changing, where, are, are some good resources to really um, tap into the specific moon that we're experiencing that month? So the Farmer's Almanac is, is one place. Um, and then, of course, on my, my social media accounts, I, I always name the moons. And then on my website, there is a there will be a downloadable um, PDF with, that, um, with the Native American names of the moon. Um, so if anybody's looking to track them that way, um, that's where it will be available. Awesome. So what have you enjoyed the most in, you know, creating these rituals and really connecting with the moon? I have enjoyed the most is connecting not only with my children, but with other adults. Um, just in this project alone, it, you know, I have people sending me pictures of the moon it, and, and it's, it's really neat to see my children, five and three, getting excited about a full moon. But then, you know, my mom sending me a picture of full moon. And, you know, I I talked I talked with you early about becoming fascinated with the moon when I entered motherhood, but it actually started earlier than that. Um, when I was deployed overseas, I would look up at the moon and tell my family members, hey, you know, you're looking at the same moon as me, no matter how we're separated by continents, but we still see the same thing. So it's just, I, I actually call it love notes. You know, it's sending each other, sending my family members, sending friends pictures of the moon, knowing that we're looking at the same thing. It's like a love note. 
I think that's so amazing. And I think, you know, in those like early months and everything, like when we do feel so disconnected, it's nice to know that there is something along those lines that, you know, maybe friends and family are far away, like maybe we moved or, or, you know, there's situations that we can't be with them. But being able to stay connected by something that, like you said, no matter where you are, we're all looking up at the same sky, the same moon. And I think, I think that's a really good connection to make. And um, something that's just so, like I was saying before, like consistent and like reassuring. Definitely. And, you know, entering motherhood, that was the other thing is that, uh, you know, you as a mother, you depend on your own mother, right. To, to teach you, you know, how to take care of this baby. And, uh, my mother lives, you know, a couple States away. Um, so she wasn't be able to, she wasn't uh, able to be here to help me with everything, but that's another, that's another way we were connected. Right. And she has that connection with her grandkids as well. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. That is awesome. So what else, you know, like, beside the moon, like, did you kind of like experience in early postpartum, you said like your son had uh, reflux and things like that. Like what else was going on that you necessarily didn't think was something that was going to occur? And now here you are with a new baby and, and all these things are happening. Um, well, breastfeeding, you know, is a big one, right? Everybody says it's the most natural thing and it's really not. So that, that was a challenge. I just, I had no idea how often that my, that the babies would be at your breast, you know, and, and how much they would, and neither one of mine took a pacifier. So how much they would need it for comfort, you know, being at a mother's breast is whether you're breastfeeding or not being at a mother's, you know, bosom is the most, the safest place a baby feels. Um, and I think that's, you know, beautiful, but when you're in the moment, it, it can certainly be annoying, right. To have somebody on you all the time when you're not used to that. Um, so that was a big one is just, you know, breastfeeding and then realizing how touched you were going to be, right. We, we talk about being overtouched and, and that is, um, that was certainly, uh, something that I had to adjust to. What really led you to write the book? Like at what point did you feel like this was something that needed to be done and worked on? And what really helped push you to, to come to write it? You know, it kind of happened organically um, and naturally. And I just in sharing the ritual with my immediate family and friends, people started doing it they started putting their out their own moon juice, right? My, my, my parents, my in-laws and, and they started sending me pictures. I'm like, Hmm, people, people like this. And then, um, my niece and nephew visited over the holidays over Christmas and they were really intrigued by it. So other kids were intrigued by it. And I was like, I really need to share this with the world. Yeah. So that, that kind of happened organically, but then, um, you know, I'm, I'm also doing it for my kids. I, you know, it's possible that maybe, you know, five people buy my book and, and that's, that's fine. I'm not in it for that, but it, it was a really, it was a fun process, but it wasn't without its challenges. And I want to show children that, you know, we can, as Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things, right. And we can do things that are uncomfortable. And if I can leave that legacy for them, um, 
you know, that's pretty neat. And then also as a mother, you know, entering motherhood, sometimes we feel like we lose part of ourselves. And this was one thing that was my thing. Um, it was my own project. It was something besides being a mother. And that's the other thing I want to demonstrate to my children is that I'm, I, I am a mother. I love being a mother. That's the best job in the world, but I also have my own things and I can also do other things. That's amazing. That's what, yeah, I think, you know, I've kind of come to that feeling as well. And I think, you know, that's what really kind of like propelled this podcast and like getting out there and talking to more people. And I think when we're able to give ourselves that permission of we're allowed to be a mom and something else, or we're allowed to be our own person, but still you know, be there for our kids. And so like, I'd love if you kind of like dug into that process a little bit more and and what like your feelings were and, you know, were there any like guilt feelings like when you were working on the book or collaborating and everything? Like, did you feel like you were, you know, taking time away from your kids or what was that? What was that like internally? Absolutely. I, um, so I had no idea how to write a children's book. Um, that you know, that's not my my first occupation. I now I you know I would love to make it my first occupation, um, but I had no idea how to do it. And so, as a woman, I think we are um, getting better, and we're naturally inclined to ask for support. Um, so that's the first thing I did. I, I asked for support. I reached out. I would let everybody know I wanted to do this, and then um, people started recommending, you know, people to help with it. But to get that help, you know, it required an investment. Um, you know, not as significant, but of course, I was going to have to pay for for some of that support. And I and you know, you talked about guilt, and I had that guilt. What am I doing? Why am this money is something I want to do? And I, you know, with the assistant of assistance of my coach, you know, she kind of helped me work through that. And, you know, I've really learned that me having my own thing and being happy has made me, you know, a better, a better mother. And so investing in myself, investing in my passion, investing in what I wanted to do actually made me a better mother and, you know, better to connect with my kids. Um, it hasn't certainly been busy. I do a lot of the work while they're, uh, you know, when they go to bed early and stuff. Um, but it's also been neat to share it with them. So not only am I feel like a better mother, I, I feel more connected to them. What would you say to a mom that maybe feels like she wants to find something for herself or have, you know, a way to not feel like all she's doing is being a mom? And like, what would you say to kind of encourage them to follow a passion or or find a hobby of sorts that um, is going to, you know, be uniquely for them and something that they can kind of like disconnect from, you know, just being a mom and, you know, like why you feel like it was, it was so beneficial. And like you said, like you were able to connect more with your kids because of this. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of the work and I have to, I have to give credit to my, to my coach, Emily Karen, she, you know, has helped me work through a lot of this. So I, I don't certainly don't want to sound like I came to all this myself, but as far as for a mom, you know, who's considering maybe pursuing a passion or investing herself, I think the big thing is, you know, that we always talk about filling your own cup first and, you know, a, a rising tide helps all boats, uh, all boats rise. And, you know, 
I think that's easy to understand uh, at the conceptual level and a little bit harder to put into practice. So it does take practice, you know, give yourself grace. But for me, I remember making a list of, you know, if I do this, if I explore this passion, how will this make me a better better mom and and how will other people benefit from that? So if you have if if there's any mothers out there that like, you know, really can see from a list perspective or writing it down, um just helping to write it out and say what will this do for me and what will it do for others um is really helpful. As far as, you know, finding a hobby or finding a passion, I I just I kind of think you don't really need to search too far. I think if you, uh, and again, as my coach tell me, do what feels good. She says, you know, feeling good is the work. And so I don't think you have to look too hard for a hobby. What feels good to you? What do you want to do? Um, as women, you know, we've been taught to not really explore our feelings or do what we want to do. We, we, we take care of everybody first. So that might take some internal work, but it's right there. And, you know, the other thing that she says is follow the breadcrumbs. So what, what feels good? What's the next thing that feels good? It might not ultimately be what you want to do, but it will lead you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You just have to keep doing what feels good to to you. That's awesome advice. (laughs) What else would you kind of say, like looking back from where you're at now and how much you've grown and progressed in motherhood, what would you say to, you know, your past self in those like initial first few months, days even that um, you wish you would have known or or been able to see another side of? Um, I think I would have, um, you know, changed my expectations um, and just known that, you know, everything goes in phases and everything is a season. Um, and so I probably would have told myself, you know, this is going to be a season and it's probably going to be a slow season. It's probably going to be like winter where you're, you know, you're inside more and you're, you're, um, going, you know, in, you know, internal a little bit more. And then just knowing that, you know, all phases pass. I mean, people say it now, but once you experience it, you, you truly know, um, that everything goes in phases, you know, the baby will be sleeping fabulously for two months and then three months they won't be. And then, you know, it will cycle back through. So I I think that would be the biggest thing is I I think we set these false expectations for mothers that, you know, we post pictures on Instagram of when everybody has matches, matching outfits and, and, and everybody looks good. And we probably need to post more pictures of, you know, breasts hanging out and milk all over the place. And, um, yeah, just to set, set expectations. Can you give us a little insight or like a sneak peek of of a page from the book or or what your favorite part writing it was? Yes. Um so the uh I guess the climax of the book is that the moon juice jars break. Um and this this actually ra- happened to us uh in real life in January we put the moon juice out and we live in the northeast. So it was too cold and the glass jars broke. Um, and spilled all over the place so that we couldn't, we couldn't drink it the next day. And, you know, my son was like, oh no, now we're not going to have magical powers. Um, so that's kind of climax of the book. You know, what happens when these moon juice jars break and you, you don't have your magical powers. And then I, you know, my favorite part is, uh, and I won't give too much of the book away, but the sister and the brother are connected and, um, she kind of reminds him that the power is inside of us all along. 
And, and that's the message from the mama from the beginning is that whatever you want to become is already inside of you. And so the little boy um, is reminded by the little girl that whatever he wants to become is already inside of him. So, and I think that's another big message throughout the book is that, you know, I believe children are born with innate gifts and superpowers. We don't need anything to make us superheroes. Um, but it's our job as as parents and grownups and mothers to remind children of that and to help them to not stop believing in magic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Do you have any other, you know, fun facts that you've learned along the way about the moon or how you were saying, you know, like we have cycles as women and the moon has their cycles and, you know, if there's any correlation of that that you found that you wanted to share? Yeah. I, one exciting thing is, uh, well, my, my son is really into the moon, of course, because, you know, I am. Um, so we read all these kind of books. So the children's facts are pretty fascinating. Uh, one that we find fascinating is that the moon is actually moving away from us very slowly, moving away from Earth. The other thing I find fascinating is just the connection between the moon and the waves and the tides. I mean, that's a whole separate area that is absolutely fascinating. Um, I find it fascinating because we live in the Northeast on the coast um, near the ocean. So that is fascinating. And then as well as I really feel it now because I pay attention, but just, you know, during the new moon is kind of where... you're a little bit more internal going in, inside yourself, um, maybe doing more quieter activities. And then as the moon gets fuller, you tend to be uh, more willing to be seen. So if you're in business, that's a good time to be seen. Um, you know, the moon is full, so it's illuminating everything and that, that includes you. So, and then after that, you know, is a good time to kind of complete projects as we as we get closer to to the new moon again. You know, to give credit to, I um, during those long uh, days with my second, I read Kate Northrup's book, uh, which is Do Less, and she talks a lot about not only the moon cycle, but the how a woman's menstrual cycle um, can kind of match up with the moon cycle. And if, if you're able to kind of manage both of those and do your work around both of those cycles, you can be really, really powerful. I think like, you know, I'm just like super fascinated about learning about all of this and, you know, like creating my own moon juice. And, you know, for somebody like listening to this and wanting to start and and do it, what would you kind of like, suggest do we just get a jar write out our intentions fill it up with water like what what should we do to get started you well you just do whatever is fun to you and make what makes sense to you so the general idea is you need water you need a, a container and um you know if you want to set an intention if you want to draw a picture if that's easier but just make it fun for you and make it make it fun for the whole family um but yeah just uh any type of a container, and then you can decorate it. You can put um, rocks in there. You can put, uh, you know, gems and stones in there, crystals and stuff. If you're into that, um, fill it with water, put it out on a full moon, and um, you know, set an intention, and then and then drink in the next day. And of course, as you'll learn from the book, it's not magical. I mean, it's not it is magical, but not completely magical. You still have to put in the work when you set in the intention and the, and the children in the book learn that, that they still have to put in some work. But so, so that would be the next step is after you do that, you know, having a plan for doing that work towards that intention. So I don't, do you have any other like final things that you'd like to add to either like, you know, 
talk about the moon specifically or just motherhood in general that you'd want to share? No, I mean, I think, um, you know, the just appreciating all phases. So as I said, learning as a new mother that everything goes in phases, but that we can find beauty in, in every phase. So it's just not when things are going well, but there's certainly beauty um, in the other phases as well. Uh, the moon isn't just beautiful when it's full. The moon is also beautiful when it's a tiny, tiny sliver as, you know, a waxing, you know, a recently new and then waxing to a full moon. Um, so just being able to appreciate the beauty in all phases of motherhood, I think that's a big one. Awesome. So where can we find you? Where are you at on social media? What's your website? Where can we get the book? Everything like that. Give us the details. So I'm on all social, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's Moon Juice Mama. You can find me there. And then I have a website. It's moonjuicemama.com. And you can buy the book off of my website at moonjuicemama.com. Or it'll also be, it is available on Amazon. Well, thank you so much for coming and, you know, sharing your personal story and really just like enlightening us about moon juice and what all goes into that. And, you know, like a big congratulations to your book and, and everything that's going along with that. Thank you, Sarah, so much for having me. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood. 